0: Training Make Podcast. We are back with a distinguished guest. I'm with Max, as always. How are you doing, Max? Not not
1: the distinguished guest.
0: You're you're (laughs) not the distinguished guest. Our distinguished guest today is Michelle LaTondra. Michelle, I'm happy to have you back.
2: I am super happy to be back. Thank you for having me.
0: And for those of you guys who don't know, Michelle was a multiple uh, CrossFit Games athlete and now is uh, definitely one of the, the, the better CrossFit coaches, competitive sphere of coaching. And I, I do want to dive into that, but I hope I gave you enough credit there.
2: Thank that, you. No, I like really, enough? I really appreciate that. I, I don't know if I'm the better, but I'm there
0: <laughs> Yeah, well, doing so what I can. What, how much, what games mm-hmm. did you go to? I forgot.
2: Um, so I went as an athlete to the games uh 11 12 13 14 15 and then my last year was 16 and then i coached 17 18 and 19 and maybe 20 we'll see
0: Mm. max were you gonna say something no 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 okay um okay that's a lot like you're you're a very experienced games you're a games veteran and i think um what like my favorite Part about your career when you were lift um, was when you did like a I think it was like a snatch event at the Invitational.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that was a fun event. Yeah,
0: and I think you were working with Louis. Is his name Louis or is it what's his name?
2: Um, I so I when I was weightlifting in CrossFit and after I was working with his name is Jean Jean Patrick.
0: Louis is another guy from Bordeaux, and I okay, I messed that up. Right, yeah.
2: right. Yeah. so. Yeah, Jean-Patrick Millet, who now coaches Maud Charon. And, uh, um, oh my gosh. Oh my God, I just had a blank. Hey. I, I, uh,
0: yeah, he coaches, does he coach uh, Camille's sister, uh, Rachel? Rachel Bazinet? Uh,
2: he does not coach Rachel. But in, comp- like, they're close. Like, in competition, he helps out a lot with Rachel. But he doesn't coach Rachel so much, no. I I don't know exactly who Rachel trains under right now uh, i'm not sure but he does coach motron who was a crossfit games at not crossfit games but a crossfit athlete at the regionals who switched over to olympic weightlifting and is our i, I don't i can't remember if she qualified or not but she's like a, a medal hopeful for the olympics in tokyo in the 63 category okay uh 64 yeah, she's very good sorry yeah she's really good she was she was a circus artist Studied to be a circus artist went into crossfit and now is olympic weightlifting oh wow yeah
0: yeah mo- um... what
1: what are the circus arcs
2: so there is a school here in montreal and she's you guys have to go look on youtube what she did but she was basically a trampolinist but on bamboo sticks
1: Whoa. Oh, wow wow
2: so there's two guys holding bamboo sticks and she kind of just trampolines on that and does tricks. And she has a few videos online of her doing that and that's what her that was her specialty. And I, I believe her hopes were to, to get onto the Cirque du Soleil because the Cirque du Soleil was started here. So there's a big like circus school uh, here that's like, there's a lot of circus talent around here. So anyway, she did that before going into CrossFit and then into weightlifting. But yeah, Jean-Patrick coaches her. Yep. He coached me while I was doing crossfit to get my olympic weightlifting um uh, up to the to the standard I wanted to be at and then when I retired from crossfit I I decided to kind of jump into the olympic lifting competition scene trying to make the worlds
0: mm-hmm. and he
2: coached me for that.
0: Yeah, I I've, I I I want to say that I noticed your uh weightlifting got a lot better in between those things, but yeah. I, I, I'm not sure I did, but I remember watching that event being like, holy shit, her technique is very, very solid. And so, yeah, um, yeah I, I definitely was a huge fan after that.
2: Well, sure. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. That was huge. And yeah, if there's anything I was really good at in CrossFit, I mean, I, I was good one year and I almost podium one year, but, but I love technique so naturally Olympic weightlifting, when I started doing that with GP, I just fell in love with it. I just love how you can spend three hours of a day working on two movements. And I just love that. Yeah. It was great.
0: So, um, yeah. let's talk a little bit about the competitive CrossFit scene. I still think that, um, you know, it's, it's in it's like budding phase you know it's not really structured entirely at least from from my perspective like it doesn't seem like a profession that a lot of people are into just yet or maybe i'm completely off but how do you how does this profession play out basically with the mission statement of like producing games athletes or or high level crossfitters
2: um i think i think it it's like Every time in CrossFit, you feel like you've gotten the feel of things and that you think that you have like a structure and you, you're you like, okay, well, I think this is what we need. We're going to go in this direction. They change, whether it's structurally or whether it's because um, Dave decides to change the type of workouts people do. There's no, there's, there's never this, this um, clear cut way getting ready for that kind of event but one thing that is seemingly coming out of every single year and it's getting clearer and clearer is that CrossFit rewards this the athletes that have um, a very good amount of endurance and power endurance that is that seems to be the the most uh, rewarded athletes are those who can be um, technically sound when they're tired and they can do that for not only multiple events, but multiple days. So that seems to be really where to go now. Like what that means in terms of games athlete, like what you need to be, it's kind of, it kind of falls into basically that the best games athletes are the ones who have a natural strength, nat- like pure strength that learn quickly and that have um, a good amount of endurance and a lot of that is natural and then whoever works the hardest at making sure those all of those components are really solid and 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 uh, how do you say like like consistent those are the ones who excel you need all of that plus obsession and some form of obsessive compulsive behavior (laughs) you know so So if if all of those are met like
1: so if you were to take somebody who's like a total, if you were to say, what's my, you know, regu- regular person, someone who has no necessarily like outstanding qualities, they're, they're not particularly super strong, they're not particularly, uh, you know, good at gymnastics, maybe they don't have a huge foundation or anything, they're a decent athlete, how would you structure training from a standpoint of like, you know, long-term development, long-term priorities, short-term priorities like how do you go about doing that
2: um it really depends on their age um the younger they are the more we can kind of build the way i see it is that games athletes are like most of the time they're they're built like a pyramid right and the closer you are like to your 30s the less time you have so it's it's a matter of getting the engine up i would say like um athletes that are in their early 30s 20s i would build up their strength a lot more in their strength endurance a lot more than if someone that's in their 20 their late 20s to early 30s and they say hey you know i want to get to the games and it's like well okay um and and i'm always realistic with those with those athletes but the the training it becomes more uh, specific so the way i treat pat for example Patrick Vellner, who's, been, who's in his late 20s and who's been to the games multiple times, um, we work um, a lot more intensely than someone who comes to me and who's like in their, um, in their 20s and who I kind of have to develop more their work capacity. So Pat will work at higher percentages and younger athletes will work at lower percentages, get more volume in. But then there's this, also there's this element of, I don't know how to explain this. It's, I guess this, this is where the art comes in where there are certain athletes that'll tell me I want to go to the games and I just, and, and there's like, there's the potential to go to the games is very limited. So when that comes to the point and then, and then sometimes I get really pleasantly surprised, but when that comes up, it's, um it's hard to kind of pinpoint what to work on but most most of the time we'll spend a lot of time working on strength and power endurance
0: yeah um so kind of follow up on on i guess getting someone prepared for the games you mentioned strength and strength endurance um, is yeah. that because it's easier to then narrow it down to if if you need just like raw cardiovascular output you know is it easier to just be like we'll focus on that you know in a little bit because it's much narrower?
2: Mm, no, I don't separate any modalities like i don't i am not a coach that will work on strength only work on um, aerobic only or whatever what i what I mean to say So, in terms of events in CrossFit, when you look at um, points, there's like probably something like 10 to possibly 20% of the points that are available attributed to a strength event. You don't even see roar. I haven't seen that in a long time. So, this is what I mean by power endurance. So, I'll never focus too much on the max snatch. But really my, my goal with athletes who want to make it to the games is to make their 85 to 95% snatch consistent for more than one or two reps. That's where, that's where the strength endurance comes in. That's where the athletes that are, they don't need to be the strongest, but that's what they need to do to make sure that they stay hanging with the pack. Yeah. Um, so right. really what we look at is, what are the points available and usually the points available for more endurance-based events, whether it's purely cardiovascular or some form of strength endurance, that's where all the points are. And that's where, um, some people with, with really high numbers, that's where they fall. You would think that they would be really good, but that's, that's where they, where they fall. And so those are those, that's the main focus on games athletes training is getting them to be to have a work capacity at all all level of intensities in terms yeah. of loading
1: so because because you're focusing on that like because you're working with games athletes this is probably something that's that i think people that that coach high level athletes probably run into this where they are taking people that have a huge foundation of some kind of training prior to getting to them yeah. and so your skill set or, or at least the skill set as it pertains to what you're doing with those athletes it's really narrowed down to identifying that one or two things you're going to develop. You know, you're not teaching people how to do a muscle up, right? If they're going they're not going across the games and like learning how to do a, a you know, a snatch for the first time or whatever. You're you're a people that are like, how do I maximize these things? And because you have that narrowed skill set, do you feel like you work better with uh very specific types of athletes like hey, you know, my favorite kind of athlete to work with is somebody who has like a, a really big aerobic base from some other sport. You know, like ex triathlete or ex gymnast. Or is there just you know that you're comfortable kind of picking or you know taking whatever comes to you and say I can work with any one person?
2: Um, I don't I don't pick the athletes that I work with based on. Well, I mean, where I am now, I guess I guess the athletes that I have are almost all games athletes. And it, it turns out that way that I, I had athletes that were making their way up there. They have now qualified and I've maintained them and I can't take on any more athletes. So mm-hmm. these are the athletes that I've been working with for the last couple of years. But I, I mean, when I took on Laura, um, she had, she, Laura Horvath, like, we don't work together anymore. But, but when she approached me, she had been to the regionals when there were regionals twice, and she had missed the mark uh, a few times. And then I took her on, and I guess the advantage that I had compared to other coaches that were around her at the time um, was that I had been in her shoes and I knew that what she was doing wasn't right for her goals because she was with coaches that would segment her training. She would work aerobically, she would work Olympic lifting, and then she would work gymnastics completely separated and and you can't go to the crossfit games um if if that's what you do you just can't there's this certain little fifth element of that crossfit brings that you need to have lived it to kind of understand what that is now working with with laura um my focus with her was to aside from getting her to do just CrossFit and CrossFit at all levels, whether it be open level, like, um, a light, like 30% or less work capacity and just high rep. Um, and, and then moderate regional style, then game style, which is like just odd object. She had specific weaknesses in, in her, uh, based on her body type that we needed to address. And we worked on that. Now, I'm kind of still new to coaching. So the, like the way I worked with Laura was kind of something that I, I figured that I would identify, I, I would try. I mean, and it ended up working really well. Um, if she had reached out to me before her two years at regionals, would I have been able to bring her up where she went? I don't know, like it's never been, I've never worked with a person that hasn't had a certain baggage because, because those people reach out to me once they've exhausted their local um, uh, coaching staff, you know?
0: Right,
2: And right. so, uh, so, yeah. It's
0: interesting, like you, you bring this up um, because Max and I literally just talked about this in our last podcast. Someone sent a question and was like, how do we know if the program that we're running is getting the mm-hmm. most out of our training? or if it's just us as an athlete, or if it's my coach, you know, and so I think what you were bringing around was like, well, we don't, we don't really know. (laughs) Right? Yeah, (laughs) well,
2: I would say so. I mean, I'm, so I'm, I'm an artist at heart, and I'm very much trial and error. That's how I've always learned. And that's how I've always felt like I've learned the best lessons in my life. So there are a lot of things that and, and you know what, I have to say that I love my athletes for that, because there's, like just, I think a couple of days ago, I was talking with Patrick because we aren't sure if the games are going to happen. So we're trying to refocus training to, to stay motivated and to see what we can do with the time that we have and the equipment that he has. So I straight up said, hey, I want to try this. I want to give this a shot. Like we're, I want to try doing a structured unilateral strength phase where all we're going to do is really focus on unilateral work and see how fast you can get back into a fitness um not pre-competition phase but preparation phase and see if that works out for you because if if that works out then that's something that we can implement in future years for crossfit games training so and and he was all in for that so i really enjoy that kind of uh that process of trial and error and uh, there's a lot of things that i do kind of based on intuition and there's a lot of things that i research and i say well Let's, let's give this a shot, you know?
0: And, and Max, I want to kick this to you because you're in a similar situation. You're working with athletes that um, are supposed to go to nationals, are supposed to go to the Pan Am games. Um, there are a bunch of coaches out there with people who are qualified for Tokyo, but now they have to be pushed back a year. Are you starting to kind of experiment with athletes now, um, given that you just kind of have to delay right? Rather than be like, okay, let's, you know what, screw it. Let's just go into like a GPP phase. You kind yeah. of, the athlete's in a good shape right now because they were preparing for competition. Do you now kind of like slow the process down or are you in going into something else or are you working on things? Or are you experimenting? What, what are you a, kind of doing with that?
1: That's a good, that's a good question. I, I think that, uh, Like, I know my personal beliefs or personal thoughts on it are that, you know, you can't necessarily control someone's adaptive response to training. So saying, you know, hey, we plan to peak at this point in time, then, you know, we're just going to stretch this out to be something longer. Um, You're going to get some kind of different response to that training, and it might not be that, you know, it produces what you think it is. So, So, like, what I've done is just kind of had people either continue the training cycle as though we're going to go to nationals. Um, And, and for, in our, in my case, it's also easier because we have one thing we're training for and we know that nationals for us got pushed back till December. So we can basically complete a training cycle, then move on. Um, CrossFit. I don't know where CrossFit situation is because you guys are, I mean, is it all just up in the air right now?
2: Well, they haven't had any announcements very officially other than they're thinking about what they're going to do. The CrossFit Games are due to be end of July, beginning of August. But okay. I, I was going to say, Max, that it feels like for you guys, it's more complex because it's more specific, whereas us, it's so general. Like, all they yeah. need to be is fit. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. They right. just need
2: to be fit. And they don't need to be at the peak of their strength. Like, yeah, okay, they might miss a snatch PR. Who gives a shit? Because there's like right. fucking 12 other events that are all reliant on fitness. So like, they just need yeah. to stay fit
0: so do you think um, do you, so so do you think that like now is a good time to experiment i, I mean because you're, when you guys experiment you're only you know using a certain amount of the total training volume towards experimentation whereas exactly, for us if, but- if we want to experiment we're very limited because we can only go so far without coming back that kind of exactly
2: right right. there's less stress on the cns with crossfit i mean there's more there's more there's there's more stress on the body like joints and stuff but on the cns and on training like the next day they're so acclimatized to and i'm i'm talking specifically about my games level athletes like they're so acclimatized to volume that if i if i manipulate their training in a way their fitness level won't go down so much and the beauty of, of, of and I'm not, like a, I'm not like a CrossFit, like Kool-Aid drinker or anything, but the beauty of this sport is that no matter what you do, there is going to be some level of adaptation and it might not be what you wanted, but there will be something there that's transferable in something. Um, right, so right, it's, it's fun in that way. It just feels like, it actually feels very liberating right now that, okay, well there may or may not be something no one is in the right situation to be training for the games at the moment. Um, some people have access to full gyms and some people don't. So might as well give things a shot and see how it's annoying for athletes, but we can see how, how much volume and, and training previously that an athlete can do and still maintain it even under poor training circumstances. You know yeah, how much is that the reality that the buffer like what is the buffer that CrossFit keeps saying that if you train really well you'll have a buffer against sickness how long does that take? We
1: would we you know? would call that maintenance volume right? So you'd yeah, say like yeah, what what is the what is the least amount of training I can do without losing fitness qualities? Um, yeah, that's that's yeah. kind of cool to see that. Um, do you, when you write programs and when you're training do you use? any kind of, you know, volume landmarks like that, like maintenance volume, minimum effective volume stuff, um, or do you write Um, programming sort of differently?
2: um, I don't. So I'm not traditionally trained in that, but what I do do a lot of is feedback with my athletes, and I'll I'll kind of go by hour of training more than anything. So, yes, so there is is cycles and there is like – Within the year, I do, but I'm. It's very visual. Um, mm. it, yeah, no, it, I like
0: it, that. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. like the the by hours of training. Go. What do you yeah. mean by that?
2: So, like when they're when they're a high volume phase, they'll be training for about four hours a day,
0: and okay. when they're
2: in a lower volume phase, they'll be training for two hours a day.
0: Right. And so sim- almost similar to an Olympic sport, right? I mean, Max, yeah. would you yeah. say that's similar to an Olympic sport? Right. Yeah. yeah yeah for sure
2: um go ahead michelle sorry about that yeah yeah, no no it's okay so i don't i don't like i'm not like i said i'm not traditionally trained in this and a lot of it is based on what have i what i've experienced when i was competing and um a lot of it's just just my own research so when i do when i do high volume training it's two sessions of two hours and then depending on the athlete maybe that'll be a little bit longer
0: Mm -hmm.
2: um and then during the games it'll be at the very most twice a week two sessions, uh, sorry, three sessions, um, at the very, very most. And, and I try to control the amount of time they work at instead of, um, but, but I, I work a lot with, 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 co- uh, communication. So it's like, I'll always check in with them and see how they're feeling and things like that. And when I, right. when I'm, I know that they're at a very sensitive, high volume, uh, part of their training, um, before I make decisions on what they're doing, like the following week, I'll always check in with them.
0: Right. Okay.
1: yeah. Uh, Zach doesn't do any of that. He just throws in a program <laughs> at people and when they don't do it properly, it's just I insults and, ber- ber- yeah, he blames them, <laughs> berates them.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, no. I try, yeah, yeah no, I try to ahead, be tough love. I, it, I try to be tough love, but I just, I just can't. When they tell me like, oh man, I feel like shit, I'm like, oh God, okay. <laughs>
0: i think that uh honestly that's that's the majority of coaches responses um to a certain extent uh sometimes i feel like athletes just complain just to hear their own voice and to fill the space you know what i mean
2: i've come to terms I with exactly some of them that mean, are Jack. like that yeah. <laughs> is that what you are
0: i don't think <laughs> no,
1: so i'm just i'm just giving him a hard time he's not like that at all
2: I was like that. I just love to hear myself complain and hear how like hard (laughs) everything was. Made me feel better about myself.
0: Uh, Okay. So I guess, um, no, I, you know, I guess that's more of the the general understanding that I'm trying to get around the professional coach of CrossFit. How much of it is established? How much of it is like, has it changed at all what it means to be a professional like competitive coach because again we're talking about a field of people that is incredibly small like the elite crossfitter and the type of coach that works with an elite crossfitter at least to my knowledge you know when I was in when I was working as a crossfit coach um, I was consistently told by the owner like we don't want our bottom line to be about competitive crossfitters because there's just not enough of them, you know, we have yeah, a to true. run here. But for someone like you, I'm really attracted to that, because you have a lot of, you know, games level athletes, you have a system. Um, and so I just want to know more about that, if that's kind of like a mm-hmm. too general of a question, how much of it no, is developed no. or, or changed?
2: So I can't speak for other coaches. I mean, like, the difference between me and most other professional coaches out there in the CrossFit world is that I was an athlete as well. And that guides a lot of my decision-making when I do do the programming. Um, I don't know, like from my experience work I worked with Ben Bergeron, who is like one of the top coaches out there. And I don't know how he structured his things now compared to what I did. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's as, as, as um, scientific, it's not a science compared to other sports. It is a lot of kind of, um, it, there is a lot of art to it still. Um, I think that it, where I come in is, I know what it feels like to train the volume that CrossFit Games athletes need to train at, to be at the level of fitness they need to be. But I so but knowing what that volume is and understanding how to dose intensities and how to dose modalities within a training day is where I think that I've come up with a pretty good system. So um, the way I periodize will be always with the open, even with my games athletes, I'll use the open at some point and um, we'll we'll use. Conjugate style strength training because what I love about the conjugate style strength training for CrossFit is that it allows for some metabolic conditioning uh, volume to be included in the strength phase. So um, in that strength phase uh, we'll do um, three strength portion sessions all kind of like built on each other and then the Metcon supports that training session the training, um, uh, phase so the metcon if there's squats the metcon will most likely have wall balls most likely have dynamic movement that's meant to support the strength uh, portion that is the squat that's where kind of i i've made my system up to 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 make sure that people still do crossfit but they still have a strength bias kind of training system and it always works like that throughout the year so if they're in a max power output phase like a, like a tr- more traditional Olympic weightlifting phase, mm-hmm. which comes after the strength phase, the Metcons will support that and they'll me- be more interval-based, less intense to kind of give a break on the CNS um, and, and let them focus on their Olympic lifting. And their, and their gymnastics still support that kind of system also. Their gymnastics will be more a high skill. Uh, it'll be higher skill stuff, lower reps. And then we kind of slowly move to a more traditional CrossFit um, program as the year goes by. But I structure my days where if there's a barbell in the strength portion, there's no barbell in the Metcon. And if there is gymnastics in the strength portion, then there's barbell in the Metcon. And that's how my structure came about. And I believe that structure came about simply because knowing that when I did a very (sighs) heavy Strength portion or skill portion, and I had to do anything heavy in the metcon. I just felt like shit. Right. Um, so, so sounds that's like, my system basically.
1: Sounds like you kind of have a a nice like balanced approach within like a block structure where where you kind of compartmentalize similar things during those blocks, where you know some complementary stuff to your power training, complementary stuff exactly. to your strength training. What, yeah. uh, what do you feel like are some of the, like, and obviously you not have to like name people or anything, but like, what do you feel like are some of the shortcomings that you see amongst your peers or like in that community at the high level that you feel like, Hey, like in general, I think a lot of people are making these errors in their training programs, you know, or, or maybe like even mm-hmm. tre- trends that you see that have been sort of, in your opinion, not, not a good idea.
2: Well, there's a lot of things that I see. So at the games levels, I really feel like everyone's got a good, like, I can't, I can't say that everyone at the games level doesn't know what they're doing. Like, like I see coach people who coach Tia and Matt, like Shane, um Tia's husband and um, Sam, Sam Briggs coach. Like they, they are all like extraordinary right, coaches. Right. I think the biggest flaws are more in the, what used to be regional level athlete coaches, where they'll tend to separate modalities right. and they don't train CrossFit year-round. Um, I think that's the biggest mistake that I see: people who think that you can work on your aerobic and your strength, and then somehow put it all together in a CrossFit way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the biggest downfall is, and and um, um, I see that a lot with with uh, with athletes, but. But there's the what's difficult about CrossFit is that there's always the exception to the rule. Um, and like I can say that we are too. Look at Pat, like Patrick could literally do no CrossFit for like a month and still be really freaking fit. He has a baseline mm-hmm. of fitness that is just like no one I've ever coached. So I don't know, but I, w- I would say the biggest mistake is really just separating things, like working right. aerobic, thinking that that's going to increase your aerobic capacity in a Metcon, which is not true. It I doesn't th- work like that.
0: Do you, would, you, would you say that it's, um, a lot of times people be like, okay, you know, I'm going to focus on strength this cycle, and then we'll get to aerobic or whatever. Do you think that that's people, you know, making up for lost time? Because I think, you know, a lot of people, or at least since the beginning of CrossFit, haven't really started it at a a young age. So that means they haven't been snatching, haven't been clean and jerking, haven't been doing these high-level gymnastics movements. Now they're at the point where they're like, wow, you know, I'm pretty fit. I'm kicking a lot of people's ass. Now I got to get good at squatting or I've got to get good at snatching. Do you think that that usually manifests into people being like, this very regimented block periodization.
2: Yeah, it makes sense to to think like that. It really does, because the more you focus on one thing, the more that thing will increase. And if that thing has increased, therefore your threshold at lower percentages is higher. It makes total sense. But I don't think it's that simple in real life, because I really think that, that rather than segmenting and compartmentalizing, people need to layer. People need to layer. And what CrossFitters do, their biggest mistakes and it could be coaches mistakes. But it could be also CrossFit and keep in mind that CrossFit as a sport is very individual. Like people are in it alone, but CrossFitters don't practice. They don't practice. And that's where people who have never really experienced in other sports, um, don't realize the importance of practicing within the sport of CrossFit. Cro- CrossFit is not just training, although it is, mainly training crossfit need like people need to practice their movements. so doing us like i don't believe that anyone who has decent numbers and strength and decide to do an olympic lifting cycle to get their snatch up is the right approach i think they need to practice olympic lifting i don't think they need to forego everything else i think they need to have a dedicated hour three or four times a week where they actually just practice their movements because we do so much heavy stuff in crossfit there's no reason that that doesn't transfer over to Olympic lifting other than the fact that they need to get their technique down. Yeah, And that doesn't mean increased intensity. So, and that's one thing that I love yeah. the most about Olympic lifting is that we practice movements. And in CrossFit, when I trained with other coaches, they never had dedicated practice times. Right. And, um, and, and now in my program, we have dedicated Practice. We call them uh, uh, snatch technical sessions or snatch. It's practice,
1: right? So more more technique sessions and less overload sessions, where you're not you're not constantly trying to make up for a year of a year or two or five years, whatever, of not snatching consistently. With a yeah. 12, 12 week snatch cycle, you're just gonna take that same amount of volume and disperse it across the whole year.
2: Yeah. Well, it, any. CrossFit program does it that doesn't have Olympic weightlifting on a consistent basis. Shouldn't is it like I wouldn't consider it to be a very complete program. Even if you're in a strength phase, there should be some form of Olympic right. weightlifting, whether it's light in a METCON or or just as a warm-up, it should be there. Like,
0: yeah. Well, I, you know. I I was gonna say, you know, I was gonna mention a guy like Matt Fraser, who was originally a weightlifter, that yeah. he spent years snatching and clean and jerking, and then when he switched he probably could have focused on something else and not had to worry about snatching and clean and jerking so much. He had that block of training But now that I think about it, the real value of Matt's prior training is exactly what you said is that it's practice. Mm-hmm. The real value of Matt's being a weightlifter was not the fact that he could snatch you know, one thirty-five and clean and jerk one eighty when he was you know eighteen, nineteen years old. That was not the value. The value was the fact that he snatched from anywhere from one hundred to one hundred twenty kilos thousands of times, and he did it very, very well. That is that has so much more value than the the absolute maximum numbers. And Max and oh, I yeah, talk about this max and i talk about this all the time raising your minimums your your efficacy as a lifter you know whatever that number is where you're like wow i can smoke that if we're able to raise that by a kilo the next week if we're able you know a kilo the week after that that effective dose becomes more effective right so Mm -hmm. I, i i really like that and i think that that sort of thing carries over to even our sport that's not just a thing that that CrossFitters should do where they practice. Um, I think weightlifters need to be doing that as well.
2: Yeah, I think, so when I transitioned to Olympic weightlifting and I, I wasn't in that sport very long. Like I actually only competed for about a year and a little bit. Um, But what I had noticed is that um, although CrossFitters never lifted as pretty and as snappy and were never, they didn't hit that, that, um, that um, how would you call that, that like, finesse of a weightlifting, they, in warmups, were much more calm and, like, I, I like, not calm, I, that's not the word, but, but it was just, it just felt like there was a, 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 a more solid base of fitness, where they didn't, like, when I was warming up for a competition, I didn't feel completely knocked out and winded when I was warming up. Yeah. And, and it just, It just, and then when I, the more I got into the sport of weightlifting, the more I got tired from the ramp ups for competition and one lift would knock me out. Whereas when I was a games athlete, like my, my highest snatch in my career ever was 90. uh, What's 205? 92?
0: I know know what a good snatch. 92 is good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So
2: I was like about 92 something something like that 92 and and I hit that and it didn't fuck me up whereas in Olympic weightlifting when I hit I think it was like 89 at a lower weight category I was fucked for the clean and jerks like totally screwed and obviously weight categories came into play like I wasn't very experienced with with changing weights but it just there's a level of confidence of volume training that crossfitters have that Olymp- maybe some some Olympic lifters didn't, and I don't know what the reality is in the U.S. I mean, like in in Quebec, I could say that the, that the coaches are not as um, they didn't feel as um, modern as my coach was like GP when he worked with me. Yeah. He adapted to the way I was. So when we did warm ups for competition be- uh, at the beginning, we were doing emoms. We were doing a lot of reps. He was making sure that I was my my movement pattern was in and it was becoming automatic um but then yeah so other coaches were way more traditional and they were like yep. what are you doing and i was like this is how i need to be right now to be ready yeah,
0: yeah. so um, i i definitely want to kick this to max because max this is i would say your specialty at this point you know you, Alyssa, alex um a lot of uh, even now on the men's side, Austin Cahoy, you you have people from a CrossFit background. Um, but there was actually one thing. I think I was trying to qualify for nationals last year. And I um, was peaked, ready to go. And I missed my final jerk. And I didn't qualify. But then there was oh. another meet two weeks later. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to sign up for it and go for it. And I realized at that other meet that I felt really strong. I felt just as strong, but I couldn't hang on. I had no fitness at all. And I think mm-hmm. Max, you had this, um, kind of this story of like the knife blade being very, very sharp and only being able to use it one or two times. Right. So the sharper the knife, right, right. The, the less you can use it or so, something like that. And, um, Oh,
2: that's really good. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. So I, I, yeah. If you could explain it better, well, I mean, <laughs> it's
1: like the, the definition of a peak is a point between two valleys, right? So when a weightlifter is in their top shape in their absolute best shape, they should be in terrible fitness because this, you know, like, like general fitness because general fitness has zero, you know, bearing on their performance outside of the ability to do six lifts, you know, composed and, and whatnot. So like when you had like Zach, like, being peaked would be that you're in the best shape of your life for doing six, you know, three snatches, three clean and jerks. And then at, beyond that, you don't have any capacity or any ability to do anything because you don't need it. And so you always get these people that that really like, that's, that's sort of where the nature of comes in is that you get into really good shape, but then you're not in quote unquote good shape in, in the sense of fitness because you just did a competition. You've you've exploited everything you possibly can to be great at a one rep max snatch or clean and jerk, and consequently, those qualities are not good for walking up a flight of stairs or you know not being winded when you get out of, out of out of bed or whatever. So the analogy is like you know when when you sharpen a knife, that point becomes you know the edge of that knife, the blade is super sharp, but the more you use it, the faster it's going to dull, and and that's kind of like the adaptation like yeah, you can have this really sharp point and be super sharp and great. But if you keep trying to use it, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And then you're going to end up at a point mm. where, yeah, it'll, it'll do what you're trying to do. It'll get through whatever you're cutting, but it's not going to be pretty. Um,
2: so CrossFitters are basically like a really, really dull. <laughs> they're like, like a like baseball they're, they're
1: Like a baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> basically.
2: Just, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, baseball bats like, Hey, yeah. you get through a lot of shit. Well, but
1: that's, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of something you've highlighted is that it's, I mean, we, I think everybody understands across like it. The, the nature of it is very general because there's so many things, but you know, the fact that how do you, it, it's easy to consi- conceive of how to train a powerlifter or a weightlifter because you know, you just want the sharpest possible edge and that's you, no matter what, getting stronger you know, being able to snatch or clean more or being able to squat or bench press more, like that's going to make you better at your sport. With you guys, it's like, well, how, you know, what do I do to make this baseball bat more deadly? Like, you know, (laughs) everything, just do everything. Just make a bigger bat, right? I mean, just more and more of the same stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Crossfitters are baseball bats and weightlifters are samurai swords. How about that? Uh,
2: but which is most beloved by the United States?
0: Baseball bats, for sure.
2: Oh, yeah. uh, well, no, I. I d- yeah. <laughs> uh, well,
0: so I, I, I- want to, <laughs> Michelle, I want I want to kick this back to you because you kind of mentioned the, the attitude or the feel of being a CrossFitter. Like you snatched, like you said, ninety two when you were a CrossFitter, and you felt pretty good. Um, and then when you snatched eighty eight as a weightlifter, you you felt kind of shitty and it may you know I, I don't think you're doing this but it's not that you're you shouldn't associate it with the modality I think it's the mental um the mentality yeah. of a oh, crossfitter yeah. the mentality of a crossfitter a lot of times is vastly better yeah. than that of a weightlifter I will I can tell you that for sure I know Max you work you've worked with sure, Lisa yeah. Richie, you've worked with Alex a lot of times weightlifters get into this thing where it's like and we mentioned this in the prior podcast but snatching at a high percentage and clean and jerking at a high percentage that is part of their identity and if they can't do that they've lost part of their identity with crossfitters there's no pressure you know give me a shitty barbell you know yeah. give me shitty yeah. rubber weights i don't care if the barbell's facing this direction oh i missed the rep cool i'll take a breather and come back to it, it doesn't matter i'll lift in my oh, med- man
2: who what crossfitters are you talking to who? i want to know where those guys
0: are. <laughs> no but like where are they at okay well so but crossfitters <laughs> they don't it doesn't have to be this perfect scenario in order to 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 do something I, that is just a tiny piece of the pie to them. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, Maybe your experience is.
2: I think it depends on what level of crosshair you're talking about. I, I can say uh, that
0: I've seen what you're, what he's describing
1: in in athletes I've worked with, where when they started weightlifting and they were new to it, it was like there was just no fear of failure going into each lift because it didn't have any meaning to them, like, oh, it's my first meet, or it's a, you know, are these good? Like, yeah, the is, novelty, am I doing it right? Yeah, it's yeah. just a totally new experience. And they're, they're, you know, good CrossFitters are almost always probably gonna be really, like, just, you know, gamer type people that can just put themselves in a situation and make the best of it. I but think, as they I think became, you can't
2: reduce that to CrossFit, though. You have to, well any athlete sure, with sure. that kind of mentality is gonna yeah. excel.
1: But as those athletes went, into the weightlifting world deeper and deeper that anxiety of failing and missing grew quite a bit more because there's more on the line hey if you don't make this yeah. lift you're going to not medal or you if you don't make this lift you don't make the team and so like i can totally understand like seeing that transition where like when it doesn't mean a lot look how easy it is to lift these big weights and when it does mean a lot yeah. look, how, look how hard it is to lift big weights if that
2: makes yeah. sense I agree with that, and like you would probably say the, the same on my end if you were dealing with the lift, Olympic weightlifter. Because mm-hmm. what I see is a lot of CrossFit athletes that put a lot of pressure on themselves right. to to to, to medal or podium. Or I have I have athletes at my gym, and I mean, and by athletes I mean like people who have a three times a week membership right. that do double unders and throw their ropes because they miss. You know, like. Like, um, I think, I think it's funny. We were just talking <laughs> about this earlier today with Pat, but I think a lot of that mental fortitude is somewhat lost the minute expectations come into the mix. Yes. Yeah. And anyone who, who decides to dedicate time in a sport will, will have expectations, whether it's, whether it's serious competition or, or just for fun, but those expectations will generate, um, like excuses or uh, uh or or um how do you say like uh, they'll become uh, athletes will become a little bit more finicky with the material they use and right and and everything like that so I, I i would say that one thing that crossfitters do really well and i'm not talking about competitive crossfitters though i'm talking about the, g- the general population crossfitter is that they just love to work and they love to expose themselves to work and i yeah, they really like to be appreciate vulnerable that alone. yeah yeah, uh, they and that's great, but but comp- competitors lose that because all of a sudden they need to have the best possible outcome, and and Pat is gonna kill me if he hears this. Um, <laughs> and but he is probably one of the most high maintenance in that way, but he has Whoa, reason to be because he has very Whoa. yeah, but he has reason to be. He is very he has very high expectations of himself, and I wouldn't want it to be any other way because. Otherwise he wouldn't be gunning for the first, first place. Right. right. Um, but and, and you need those expectations. You need that ambition, but you just can't let that be the stick in your wheel that stops you from getting to where you want to go. So the best athletes are going to be the ones that have that expectations that, that, that recognize that they're good at something that they want things to be elite and, and to the, um, um the, Um, I don't know how you say this. I'm losing my English. I'm getting tired. (laughs) But those athletes who want it to be just perfect, is because they know what they can do when it is. So they just have to be smart enough to recognize that, like, you know, and and confident, confident to recognize that, you know what? Like, I want it to be like this, and it's not, but I'm going to do it anyway. And that's where people like Matt Fraser and Patrick do super well because they – because although they want everything to be perfect, they can yeah. still make do.
0: Nice. Well, So, so this is something um, Max and I say a lot, have really low expectations and high standards. And I would say that that is the case for the majority of athletes. But if you're talking about someone mm-hmm. at Patrick Vellner's level, you want to have high expectations because you're going to kind of pu- punish yourself mentally for fucking up. I mean, my wife is, she wants to be a... An, an, uh, an olympic medalist so not just in the final this year at, or next year at tokyo she wants to um she wants to be a medalist so her expectations oh. are high but right her standards are high too and it's that very fine line of having high expectations and not letting it be a detriment to your training not letting it be a detriment yeah. to your to your mentality i would say that the average person follow max and my or our mantra of just having zero expectations and having very uh, high yeah. <laughs> and having very high standards right yeah. I think it's it's admirable to have very, very high standards and just not expect anything, just do the best you fucking can, but yeah yeah, like I said, for elite elite people that want to fucking win, there is that Kind of that weirdo switch where they need to be perfectionists. They need to be flawed mentally in that way.
2: Oh yeah, I've always said that. Like people, people look at Rich Froning and like, oh my god, I want to be like Rich Froning, and I'm like, no, you don't. He's no, tormented. You don't. Like, he's, yeah, he's like, like on that on that spectrum of health, like he's way, way, way to the right of that extreme. Like you don't want to be like that. That's not. If you wanted to be like that, you would be like that and not even think about it. Right. It's exactly. Like, because it's it's just you you don't even look at other people because all you think about and obsess about is what you're doing so I I really think that that is true there's this switch there's this there's this mental place that they're in that is kind of like I would call it a martyr like they they are the the very few that are stuck living with that kind of demand that they have on themselves to inspire others um to be close to that 150 million percent that they're at um, and that's the role of a good athlete, and they have to live with that. They have yeah. to live with that. Um, so yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's getting deep, getting real yeah. deep.
1: For sure, for sure. Those, those. you gotta be crazy to be good at anything, right? I don't oh, think yeah. you're gonna find yeah. anyone at the top level of any, any <laughs> mountain that's not a little bit nutso.
2: Yeah, and the people that are on that mountain, and I'm not saying that I'm anywhere close to where Rich and Matt Fraser are, but but uh, the people that are on that fringe don't realize they are. So I started no. seeing a therapist recently, um, and I was talking to her about like I, I'm just I was just trying to kind of um, get everything right in my life with my business. My like I have two I have a gym and I have an online business and then my boyfriend and we're trying to have kids and all of these things. So I was talking to her and she's like, "You're a really intense person," and in my head I'm like, "Really not intense." And she said that to me and I was like, (laughs) no, I'm not. And then that night I was sitting in my living room and I'm like, yeah, I'm really fucking intense. And you don't realize (laughs) it when you're, when you, (laughs) but can you imagine, like, we look at these people and we're like, wow, these are really intense people more than, than anyone would know. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely feel like, uh, I feel like I'm very chill, but I get, (laughs) That that kind of intense people think I'm a very intense person as well.
2: Yeah, all but right. you think you're chill, and I think I'm chill.
0: But. We're all pretty chill guys. All right, that'll that'll be uh, the end of this episode. Um, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on. Max, screw you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for having I, me. Yeah, um, Michelle, if you want to, you know, make a super duper quick plug where we can find you or what what it is that you know, your website, all that stuff. Go ahead. Anything? Um,
2: well, our, our website for the CrossFit training stuff is DecaComp. So com. That's our handle also on Instagram. And me personally at M-I-C-H underscore Le Tonde. Good luck. Good luck with that.
0: <laughs> Le all right. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, Michelle. Always a pleasure. We're going to have you on again and again and again. Yeah. The best guest. Very yes. cool. <laughs>